to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please turn with me. We're back in our text with 1 Peter. We're in chapter 2, and we left off in verse 8, so we'll be picking up in verse 9. So if you can turn there, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We're going to be looking at two verses, verses 9 and 10. The title of our message here this morning is His Own Special People. His Own Special People. God calls us His Special People. He's, we're special to God. I hope if you're a believer here today, I hope you realize the fact that you are very special to God. God loves us. And part of this relationship we have, he gives us benefits. In Psalm 103, our scripture reading that we just read, it says, forget not all his benefits. And it listed a bunch of benefits. It listed the fact that he you know, forgives us of all of our iniquities. He crowns us with loving kindness. He, he, you know, he redeems us from destruction. He takes away our sin. He casts it out as far as the east is from the west, and on and on and on. All these wonderful benefits as being believers. We have a benefit package. And I, I remember when I was in the corporate world, uh, part of my job was to, when we would hire new employees, I would go over our employee handbook. And in our employee handbook, you know, there's rules and regulations, but I used to love going over the benefits of the, of the company because we had good benefits. We had 401ks, we had, you know, paid vacation, paid holidays for full-time employees. We had, you know, just all kinds of great benefits. So I really enjoyed going over the, the, the handbook for benefits and the, our benefit package. And, but can I tell you, we have great benefits as being believers and we're going to go over some of those in these two verses that we're going to look at. We're going to look at some of the benefits that we have. So it's wonderful to see that. I love when we're in this type, you know, these type of scriptures. So these are our benefits. So I'm going to ask, I know you guys look so comfortable, but I'm going to ask, we're just going to stand one more time before we, get, we go into our text here. So I'm going to go ahead and read just two verses. It won't be long. So again, 1 Peter 2, I'm just going to read verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Peter writes, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Aren't those great verses? Powerful. God, I pray that these two powerful verses would truly speak to our hearts again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You could be seated. Okay, so with Christmas and all and with the New Year message, by the way, Happy New Year, everyone. With, you know, I believe it's been three weeks since we've been in our text. So just as a way of reminder, the Apostle Peter obviously is writing this. He's writing this to... Uh, believers that are going through difficult times, those that are being persecuted, those that are dispersed, they had to leave their homes and properties, some left family members. And so he's writing a letter that we're reading to encourage them, to give them hope. And I pray that this letter encourages you and gives you hope because this life that we're living, this is not our home. This world is not, I, I hope you realize that. As a believer today, this is not our home. If you think, wow, you know, someone wrote a book, Your Best Life Now or something like that, well, that's pretty sad. If this is our best life now, we're in trouble. 
I just have to say that. Because our best life is coming. Amen? It's in heaven. That's our best life. So, so when we walk through this earth, we as those that were dispersed, you know, we need encouragement. We need to, you know, we need to realize we do have a hope. And as way of reminder, the last time we were in the text, uh, Peter was talking to them and telling them that they're living stones. In other words, they have stability and strength. And he says, but those that rejected the chief cornerstone, talking about unbelievers, they're going to fall. They're going to stumble. But that's where we pick this up. And it says, but you are a chosen generation. But it's sad. Those in the world that do not know Jesus Christ and they reject the chief cornerstone, they're going to fall. But then he immediately gives a contrast and he goes to us. He goes to the believer and says, but you are a chosen generation. And that's what we put it up on the screen. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, chosen generation. If you're a note-taker, the word chosen simply means to pick or to choose by God, chosen by God, to pick. Did you know that God picked you? And you might say, no, no, I picked God. I gave my life to God on such and such date. I I chose him. I asked him to be, yeah, but the Bible makes it very clear that, that he chose you even before the foundations of the world. And you might say, well, how in the world does that work? How did he, what, he chose me. Don't I have a free will? Don't I have, a, you know, the ability to make my own choices? Yeah, but he knew, God knowing all things, foreknowledge, knew that you were going to choose him one day or you were going to submit your life to him one day. So he knew and he can very easily say, I choose you. I pick you. Isn't that a great feeling knowing God picked you? It's almost like if he was in this room, he said, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine. You know, if God was here today, he could very easily just go through this room and just say, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine. If he was here physically, because he's here right now with us. And I know because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I gave my life to Christ, I know he picked me. My question is, do you know if he picked you? And every one of us should be like, Tina's up front here, yes, I know. I love that, because we all should be doing, yes, I know he picked me. Why do we know that? I know he picked me because I'm born of his Holy Spirit. My spirit bears witness with his spirit that I'm a child of God. I'm his child. So I can, yes, he picked me. And that's such a good thing. He picked me. And guess what? God picks winners. My wife and I went to Champagne's the other day. It's a French bakery. It's a dangerous place. I don't recommend going there. It's very dangerous. And there's things I can actually eat and not get sick because I have a lot of food allergies. And so, you know, so I, you know, I wanted one of these fruit tarts has custard in it. I don't, I can't have dairy, but I'm okay with frozen yogurt and custard. I don't know why. I don't even ask questions. I just know I don't get sick, so I eat it. So I went to the counter. I told her I'd like one of the fruit tarts. But, but listen, I didn't just give her the money and say, okay, just grab me one of those. No, no, I went to the glass and I picked the one that I wanted. Do you do that? You know why I do that? Because one time I've, I just paid for it and they gave me one and the ones in the front look so good, but the ones in the back, sometimes they're not as good. Have you ever had that happen to you? And the ones in the front, they, you know, the fresh fruit, the strawberries and the blueberries look good. And then you open up, you go home and you open up your box and yours just got mold on the fruit or something like that. And you're like, this is disgusting. Not as champagnes. I'm sorry, not there, but different places. That's happened to me before. Can I tell you this? God does not pick rotten fruit. He picks those that have good fruit. 
He, chose, he chooses us. And he, why does he choose us? Why? And, and, you know, I'd love to put this up on the board here and up on the screen. John 15, 16 tells us why he chose us. Talking about fruit and all, it says, right here. So you might say, well, I chose God. Well, God's arguing with you. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So argue with him. Don't argue with me, please. And what did he do? He, he chose you and he said, I appointed you. What did God appoint you to do? He appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is? The fruit of the Spirit is? The fruit of the Spirit is love. He chose us to bear fruit, that we should be loved. And, and part of that, in Galatians chapter 5, it tells us, you know, joy and peace and, and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That This is the fruit of the Spirit. So, so we're to have that fruit. He's called us to bear fruit and that your fruit should, can we say that together? Remain. He doesn't want us just to one day bear fruit and be loving and kind and gentle and the rest of our life just be terrible and mean. He wants us to bear fruit that remains. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, listen, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Isn't that great? When you pray according to God's will, you can be confident you're going to get what you're calling for because it's according to God's will. But he, he calls us to bear fruit. He chose you. He took you out of darkness. He put you into his marvelous light that you would bear fruit, that, that your life would change and that there would be love in your life and there's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit in your life and that God will use you in wonderful ways. He, he, he appointed you to this. My question is, are you making your appointment? Talking about fruit and all and, and being chosen and all. I, I was at Rubio's yesterday. Yes, Rubio's, not Chipotle. I was at Rubio's, but I'm living large. I'm going out of the borders here. It's crazy. But after I ordered my food, a gentleman came up to me and he had his, his cell phone in his hand and he had notes on his cell phone. He says, uh, sir, I'd like to read something to you. And I said, okay, I don't even know who this guy is. He just comes walking up to me. And he reads this and I'll, he says, uh, he reads this, and I'll read it to you. He says, imagine you move to a new place, and in your backyard there's fruit trees without any fruit on them. Would you be able to tell what type of fruit tree that they were without any fruit? Would you be able to say that's an orange tree, or that's a, an apple tree, or that's a pear tree? Then he says, I should think not, but when the tree bears the fruit in their season, you would definitely be able to say with confidence that is an apple tree because of the fruit that it bears. And he's reading that to me, and I said, the weirdest, like, I looked at him, and I'm like, I thought he was using that to witness to me, right? And I, as he's reading that to me, I says, sir, I says, the strangest thing, I taught that exact study in, at church. He goes, I know. He goes, those are your notes. I wrote those notes when I was sitting in the church. <laughs> and he says, here, look at it. I've got all the notes. He says, from your sermon when you were talking about knowing about a fruit tree and you know by the fruit that it bears and without any fruit, by looking at the leaves, you can't tell what kind of tree that is. And I said, you stole my sermon. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. But it just warmed my heart. I says, I thought you were witnessing to me. And I'm thinking, this is weird. That sounds awfully familiar. Those, he says, yeah, those, because it better sound familiar. He says, actually, you passed the test. I was wondering if you would remember that lesson. I said, oh, I remember it very well. But it's true. I mean, think through that. It, you know, if you go to someone's house and they've got fruit trees and they're, the, the season, it's not fruit time. There's no fruit on that tree. Could you go to that tree and say, oh, yeah, maybe you can. Maybe you can look at the leaves and you're good like that. I can't. You could put in front of me, you could put a pear tree there and I can't look at the leaves and say, yeah, that's a pear tree. 
That's an apple tree, I can tell by the leaves. Maybe an avocado, because those leaves are kind of different, aren't they? But how can you tell if that's a fruit tree unless there's fruit on the tree? And how can anyone tell if we're Christians unless we're bearing fruit? God chose you. You're a chosen generation. Why did he choose us? It tells us. Jesus said, I chose you because I've appointed you to bear fruit. God wants us to bear good fruit. And I want to bear good fruit. I want you to bear good fruit. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. I, I looked up the definition of royal priesthood. It means a priestly or king, excuse me, priest of a kingly rank. Doesn't that sound pretty important? Priest of a kingly rank. We're a royal priesthood. You know, today we think of Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles and Prince William and Prince Harry and the others, they have an earthly, an earthly royalty, if, if you can say it that way. They, but we have a heavenly royalty. We have an eternal royalty. Do you know that every one of us as believers, that we're priests? We're royalty? Do you know your father's a king? Do you know he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? And he rules over everything? He owns everything? He has dominion over everything. That's her dad. We're a royal priesthood. Are we acting like a royal priesthood? I, I say probably not always, but we are. If he's called you out of darkness, if he's called you into his marvelous light, he's, call, he's calling us his royal priesthood. Kings and priests, do you know in the millennial kingdom, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, that we will rule and reign with him as kings and priests for a thousand years here on earth? We're going to rule and reign with him as kings and priests. That's us as believers. Look it up. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, it talks about how we're going to rule and reign those that have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Is that you? That's me. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We're going to be ruling and reigning as kings and priests. And, and if you read other places, that's going to take place in the millennial kingdom. We're going to have this rule. And possibly we're going to rule over territories. And we're going to, we're going to be kings and priests. We're going to minister. And I don't know. There's not enough to, to really know exactly what that's going to look like. But that sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? Well, we're priests here on earth. Do you know that? We're called to be priests here on earth. In other words, we're, we're called to minister to one another. We're, we are called to be priests. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're called to minister. Being a priest, we don't have to wear special robes that they, the high priest had to wear. Can you say amen to that? I mean, I, that'd be terrible. I'm not coming against anyone that wears robes, but I'm so thankful I don't have to wear the robes and the sashes and all the colors and all the hats and all this stuff and walk out like this. I'm so thankful that we're not, we're not called to do that. That was the old priesthood. That was the old, in the old covenant, the old testament. That's what they were called to do. But we are, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are robed with the white robes of righteousness in the spiritual realm. Can you think through this with me for a second? In the spiritual realm, we know that there's powers and principalities, you know, dark angels, there's good angels and stuff. And somehow, if we're robed in righteousness and white robes of righteousness, I wonder how we'd look in the spiritual realm. I really do. I think through that kind of stuff. I, I know, pray for your pastor, but I think about that stuff. 
It's almost like the demonic realm and evil. It's like if we're truly born again, we have a hedge about us. It's like the, the devil, there's a, there's a hedge over us. And we've got this. So I wonder, you know, what we, we truly look like in the spiritual realm. But we know we're kings and priests and we're going to rule and reign forever. That's part of our benefit package. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? What are you called to do in ministry? What are your gifts? What are our talents? Do we know them? I pray that we know them. And it's not, we're not all called to full-time ministry in the church. We're, but we all are called to full-time ministry. Do we know that? Your ministry might be to your next-door neighbors. Your ministry, you know, baking them cookies or whatever, loving on them in some way or another, or your coworkers or whatever it is. But, but God has called us in a ministry. We're all to minister to one another. We're to minister to others. We're to, to be ministers proclaiming the praise of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous life. We're to let people know how good God is. I remember when God called me out of the corporate world into full-time ministry and it started in like 1996. I went to a, a pastor's conference. I was a, a part-time youth minister there in Michigan. And so my brother-in-law, the pastor of a Calvary chapel that I was serving at, uh, he asked me if I would go, you know, if I'd like to go with him to a, a, a pastor's conference in Indiana. So I said, I'd love to. So it was my first pastor's conference. I was so excited. And I remember the teaching was going on and I was just blown away. Chuck Smith and Damian Kyle and just other, you know, just great Bible teachers. And I was just sitting there in my seat. And, and after one of the teachings, I remember I just sitting there and just, just the, God was speaking so clearly to me. I, I didn't even want to move. I don't know if you ever had one of those moments. I was just like, God, you're just so good. And, and God, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. And so we had a break. And after the session, everybody gets up and they're using the restroom and doing their things. And I, I didn't even want to move. I'm just sitting in my seat. And I'm just saying, talking to God. I'm like, God, you're so good. And I can't believe that you've allowed me to come to this conference. And you're so wonderful. And then I saw the worship team going on, practicing for the next session. And they, so they're, they're up there kind of practicing, setting up. I remember looking at them and thinking, wow, it must be awesome to be in full-time ministry. You know, that must be great. And, the, and just the thought that was in my head as I'm just kind of talking to the Lord. And clear as day, clear as day, God said to me three words, let it go. And I knew he was talking about my job, the corporate world. And I was just overwhelmed. I was like, wow, let it go. And at that point, I worked for a company, a water meter company back in Michigan. I shook hands to be 51% owner of a, of a corporation. But it didn't matter to me. I'm like, God, if you're speaking to me, let it go. I'm just going to let it go. I, I want to do whatever you want. I want to be in the center of your will. So I, I spoke with my brother-in-law, the pastor, and he gave me great counsel, wise counsel. He said, you know, if that's God, he'll confirm it, just like young Samuel. If God speaks, he'll, he'll confirm it. He'll speak again. I, that was awesome counsel. I said, you're right. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'd read the Bible, and through reading the Word of God, I felt the Lord saying, yeah, let it go, let it go, let it go. And I was like, well, Lord, I need a good confirmation. And four, year, four years later, there is a youth camp. Being the youth minister there at the time, I was excited about it. I read the whole thing about this youth camp. It was in Indiana. I was in Michigan. This is in Indiana. So talked to the youth, and they were excited. It says some, this California kid, Joey Baran, never knew, heard who he was, didn't know who he was. I'm a Michigan kid. You know, so California kid, Joey Baran, I'm sure. Do you guys know who he is at all? Anybody know? Yeah, okay, good. So it says he's going to be the speaker. And I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Some guy named Jeremy Camp. I don't know if you've heard of him before. Jeremy Camp, he was going to just do the worship. It's a guitar, just play worship. And so Jeremy Camp was there playing worship. Powerful conference or camp. 
It was wonderful. God was doing wonderful things with the kids and myself, and it was just a, just a wonderful thing. And Joey Baran, one of the last teachings that he did, he was teaching out of Ecclesiastes chapter three. He was teaching about how there's a time and a season for everything in our life. There's a time to live, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry. Didn't they make a song out of that? And out of the blue, as he's speaking and saying that, he stopped his whole study and he said, somebody in here, God spoke to them about their their job, about your work, and he hasn't said anything to you except let it go. And he says, you need to let it go. And the hair on the back of my head stood up. (laughs) I almost wanted to stand up and say, I'm that person, yeah. God has said it to me. And I knew God has confirmed to me that I need to let it go. So that was a weekend in, in the year 2000. So on that Monday morning, I went to my boss. I said, you know, I need to let this go. And I says, I knew, I know, I shook your hand. I says, I'm a man of my word. I said, if you want me, if you hold me to that, I'll stay with this company. I says, I've given you 110%. And he's like, can we give you more money? Can we do it? I says, no, it's not about money. And that's when he said, why don't you take 30 or 60 days off? And think about this, a big move, and that's, you know, he let me keep everything, you know. He just said, here, take, take, you know, just take some time. So I took 60 days off, and that's when I tried to go to Nicaragua, Nicaragua to do ministry. God said, no, he wanted me to go to California. Why did he want me to go to California? Because that beautiful woman right there was there. <laughs> so you know the story. I already talked about that. That's how I met Kathleen, and if you didn't hear that story, please get the tape, because it's a a fascinating story how God put that together, put us together. But I started serving, as we're talking about serving, started serving at Calvary Costa Mesa, because she was working at Calvary Costa Mesa. I just answered the phones, was there to help out. In a short period of time, they asked me to come on full-time staff over there, and that's how God opened the door. That was back in 2000. This is 18 years later, and God is just so good, I can tell you that. Amen? Amen? Amen. We need to minister. I'm called to minister full-time in the church. We're all called to full-time ministry. What are you called to do? You're a royal priesthood. I want to give you a verse that goes good with that. It's on the bottom of the screen here. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to, to who? As good stewards. Are we being good stewards of the manifold grace of God? Have you experienced the grace of God, his goodness, his grace, his favor? We're to minister to one another. So if you're being discouraged, if you're being, you know, just weighed down, if you're, I just want to encourage you, please find out what you're called to do. Serve the Lord. Serve one another. We only have a short time here. Do you know that? I believe that. I don't know what your eschatology is, your end time belief is, but I believe the imminency that that Christ Jesus can come back at any time and take his church. Any time. I know there's some here, maybe you have a different eschatology. Maybe you think that, you know, the, the rapture's in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of tribulation. You could be wrong. It's okay. But uh, <laughs> it's just joking. But it doesn't matter what your eschatology is. That says that that's not an essential. The, 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 the thing is, is we should be serving him according to God's word. We're his royal priesthood. Do you know you're a priest or a minister? Minister ser- simply just means to serve. Can I add this? I, I've been so excited. Do you see what's going on in Syria? Do you see what's going on in the Middle East? Do you see everything lining up? I, I bring this up every once in a while because of the fact that, that that's our time clock. When we see Israel and we see what's happening in Israel, and we, we you know, this is our time clock. We know that, that because of what's taking place, you know, Ezekiel 38, personally, this is my belief. I totally believe this. It can happen at any time. 
Ezekiel 38 talks about Russia, Iran, Turkey. They're going to have an alliance. Libya, they're all going to be together. And they're already formed together. They're already, they have a military alliance already. We're, we're taking our troops out of Syria. Do we know uh, Isaiah 17 verse 1 tells us Damascus is going to be a ruinous heap. We don't know when that's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And why do I bring that up? Because it's very possible. We have a short time here. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.